uh, books. And so we begin this new series today, thinking about heaven and hell. And this morning we think about, uh, or begin to think about, hell. And I wonder what comes to mind as you hear that word. What comes to your mind when you hear the word hell? I wonder if you hear it quite often. It seems to be a word that is used in our day-to-day, or in the world's day-to-day language. Um, People use it to refer to the kind of day they've had. They refer to it, to the heat, to the weather. Uh, They refer, using that word uh, hell, to describe a difficult time uh, that they've had in life. I wonder what comes to your mind when you hear that word, hell. What's really important, though, is that we understand what God means uh, by that, what, what God reveals to us uh, about hell. And the thing that we see this morning, the thing that we see throughout Scripture, is that hell is real. Hell is a real place. It's not a thought, but a place. And it is a place where people will be. I was reading an article uh, of a survey that was done uh, last year. It was in The Guardian. And the headline reads, Younger Britons More Likely to Believe in Damnation. It was a study that was conducted by King's College College London. And they'd found that 32% of people under the age of 40 believed in hell compared to 18% of those who were aged between 59 and 77. And I was reading this article and thinking, that's quite striking, isn't it? It's such a high number of younger people believing in hell uh, when we look at church attendance and church attendance is declining, yet the belief in hell seems to be uh, rising. And I did wonder what kind of hell Uh, they are referring to. But we see uh, in churches especially how uh, hell doesn't feature too much uh, these days. At one point it was all hell, fire and brimstone in churches. Now it's more God's love and we tend to neglect that teaching of hell. But I wonder if you realize that the person who speaks most about hell in the scriptures is Jesus. He speaks about hell more than anyone else. And so here are some of the things that he says uh, about hell when he's uh, speaking about it. Uh, He says that it is a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He describes it as a blazing furnace, fire of hell, eternal fire, a place where the fire never goes out, eternal uh, punishment. Just a few of the things that Jesus Uh, phrases that Jesus uses when talking about hell. And what we see is that hell is a consequence of our rejection uh, of God and his ways, but it is also a punishment of rejecting God and his ways. It's the penalty of God's wrath. C.S. Lewis writes in The Great Divorce, there are only two kinds of people in the end, Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Two kinds of people. Those who bow the knee to Jesus and say, thy will be done, and those who turn their back on Jesus 
and says, I'm going to live my life my way. And what is the result of that? Heaven or hell. Both real places, as we'll see throughout this uh, series. But we begin this morning thinking about hell, and Jesus uses some of the most graphic and terrifying images and metaphors to describe hell. And so we begin this morning in our reading, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it will be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If anyone causes these little ones, not children, but disciples, followers of Jesus, those who believe in him, if anyone causes them to stumble, if anyone causes them to fall away from faith, it is better for them uh, to be drowned with a millstone around the neck uh, than to um, end up in hell. And the image, so the image is uh, of a huge stone that is used to grind the grain into flour. And such is the heaviness of this stone uh, that it cannot be moved by human hands. It needs at these beasts of burden, these animals to drag it round as it goes over the grain and crushes it into flour. And Jesus is saying, uh, with that image in mind, and you can picture that, can't you, this huge stone uh, tied around the neck of a person uh, and then thrown into the sea to drown. To me, drowning is one of the worst ways that anybody could, could die. Uh, never mind drowning with a millstone around your neck. And Jesus is saying it is better uh, for that person to go that way and cause one of my disciples to fall and stumble and end up in hell. We begin to see this uh, imagery that Jesus uses, this graphic nature uh, that he uh, uses in these metaphors to describe uh, the horrificness of hell. Then he moves on in verse, 30, uh, verse 43 uh, to talk about those things which we ourselves, or those things that cause ourselves to sin. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. He says the same with the foot. He says the same with the eye. If any of those cause you to stumble, cause you to sin, cut them out, cut them off. To the, or for the Jews in the Old Testament, the hands, the feet, the eyes uh, were precious gifts given to them by God. And they were to be used as gifts uh, from God to enjoy life. Uh, and so these precious things, hands, feet, eyes, Jesus says it is better to cut them off if uh, they cause you to sin. Let me say at this point, Jesus doesn't literally mean to cut your hands off or cut your feet off or pull out your eye. It's the image of those things that are precious to us that cause us to sin, that we are to remove, and we'll come on uh, to that in a moment. But Jesus is saying, uh, those things that you see as precious, cut them off, do without them in this life, if it means that you enter life uh, without one. It is better to enter life with one hand than it is to enter hell with full body parts. And Jesus goes on as he finishes that section in verse 47 
And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm, worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Again, we have this graphic image and the word hell here is the word Gehenna and it is a reference to a valley outside of Jerusalem, the valley of Hinnom. And there in that valley, it's where the wicked king in the Old Testament, King Ahaz, offered child sacrifices to the false god Molech. And the way that they offered these sacrifices was by fire. They saw Molech as the god of fire. And they offered their children, their sons and daughters, uh, to the false god Molech uh, as they burned them, as they set them uh, on fire. In Jeremiah 32, 35, we read, they built high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to sacrifice their sons and daughters to Molech, though I never commanded, nor did it enter my mind that they should do such a detestable thing and so make Judah sin. It's a horrible image, isn't it, of what uh, they were doing. What a dark time uh, in history. Later, that valley where these child sacrifices uh, took place, it became a rubbish dump. Uh, and rubbish was constantly being added to it, along with offal from the animals. It was just a constant dumping of rubbish and offal into this place. Uh, and from the day that it was lit, the fire that burned up uh, the rubbish and the offal was uh, never put out. It never needed to be relit. It was a constant uh, burning, a constant fire. And so it's these images uh, that Jesus has in mind as he speaks about hell. Uh, of a place where the fire never goes out. There's no water to put it out. The fire constantly burns. Uh, a place where the worm always has something to eat. The body never dies. The worms always have uh, something to eat. What we see in this picture and what we see in other places such as Acts uh, 24 is that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous, the wicked. Both those who believe in Christ and those who have rejected him in this life will one day both be resurrected physically, bodily, and will end up in hell or heaven. The redeemed will enter uh, that life eternal uh, in heaven. The unredeemed, those who have rejected Christ and the good news he brings, uh, will enter everlasting punishment in hell, where the worm never dies out and the fire is never quenched. It's a terrible image. These pictures that Jesus is using, uh, they're horrible uh, things for us to imagine. But what we see uh, is that uh, hell is permanent. Hell is forever. Whether it's a literal fire, uh, I'm not sure. But what we see in all these pictures that Jesus uses, all these metaphors is, uh, as horrific they are, hell is worse. And that is what we see in these things that Jesus says. It is permanent. People will be there uh, physically and they will endure 
uh, that eternal punishment. Now, some teach that when people die without Christ, that that is it. As they breathe their last breath, uh, they are gone forever. And the eternal punishment is that they don't uh, enjoy heaven, the joys of heaven and all that that brings. And so there's this uh, teaching which is quite popular uh, at the moment uh, called annihilationism, that when you die, you're wiped out from existence, and that is that. But when you think about that and you read the scriptures, um, it, that seems like people have gotten away with living their lives in complete rebellion to God. Uh, and if God is just, and if God is good, and if God is holy, uh, then that doesn't stack up. This idea that people are wiped out forever uh, does not stack up with what uh, Scripture says about who God is. What we see is that because God is just, because God is good, because God is holy, no one will get away uh, with their sin and rebellion against him. He will bring justice. And the consequence uh, of an unrepentant, uh, rebellious person against God is eternal punishment in hell. I don't know about you, but when we read these things, um, they're hard things for us to hear. They're hard things for us to hear because we all have people that we know and love who don't know Christ, who aren't following him and trusting in him as their savior and king. And the things that we read about hell, we wouldn't wish them upon our worst enemies, never mind those that we love. But this is the reality of it. There is hell for those who reject Christ. But whoever ends up there, even if uh, one of us, even if I, as one who believes that I'm a believer in Christ and, and I'm living my life following him, if I end up uh, in hell, then there is no complaint because God is just and good. And whoever ends up there, that is right. God doesn't get these things wrong. We should hate the thought of anyone ending up in hell. But the reality is hell is real. That's why we cling to the cross. That's why we cling to that old rugged cross where Jesus died for us. Because it's only as we cling to him that our sin is forgiven. That he is the one who endured what we deserve on the cross. He endured God's wrath for all who believe in him. He did that so we don't have to. And that's why we cling to the cross. What is our only hope in life and death? It's Jesus, the one who died and rose to life. And so that is the good news that we have uh, to share. Because hell is real, the gospel is important. We need to have that desire, that urgency to go and share uh, that good news. Unless people know the bad, unless we realize uh, the consequence 
of rejecting Jesus, then the good news is not really good news. But we know that hell is real. People will go there without Christ. And so we must go and share that good news uh, with all those around us. We must go and share that good news uh, and pray uh, that God would work that miracle in people's lives, that they would turn to him and believe and trust in him. Jesus went to the cross and suffered there so that we don't have to. All we need to do is bow the knee to him and believe and trust. And so as we go and share that good news, let's not neglect the reality of the bad news. Hell is real. And with this picture of hell that we're building up here from Mark's gospel, it also reminds us as believers of what we're saved from. Of what we're saved from. We're saved uh, from that eternal punishment. Even though we deserve it in Jesus, we're saved uh, from that. Because he died uh, and rose to life, sin is defeated and we are forgiven. And so what else we see in Mark 9 here in these verses is that we must take sin seriously. Uh, as followers of Christ, as his people, uh, Jesus says, take sin seriously, remembering what you're saved uh, from and seek to put sin to death in your life. Sin has been defeated. It is no longer king in the believer's life. But we all know that sin remains. And so we must be at work to put sin to death. Apparently the deadliest snake in the world is in Australia. And uh, the venom from one bite can kill 100 full-grown men, full-grown humans. It's terrifying. One uh, bite, uh, the venom from that can kill 100 uh, humans. Uh, now imagine you get home this afternoon uh, and you see this venomous snake coiled up on your carpet. What would you do? You wouldn't start playing with it. You wouldn't encourage your children to start playing with it. Uh, you wouldn't keep it around as a pet. You'd do whatever you needed to do to get rid of it. I, I don't know, I'd probably throw some at it to try and stun it. I don't, I don't know. But you wouldn't leave it hanging around, would you? You want to get rid of it. You want to remove it and remove that danger. We have something far more dangerous to deal with, and that is sin. And Jesus is saying, recognize the sin in your life. There is still sin in your life as a believer, and work at removing it. Cut off that hand, cut off that eye, cut off that foot that causes you to sin. Maybe there's a certain app on your phone that causes you to sin. Maybe it's social media, and every time you go on it, the gossip monster comes out. And it causes you to sin. Jesus is saying, cut it off. Delete the app. Get rid of it. Even get rid of your phone if you need to, if that causes you uh, to sin. Whatever it is uh, in your life that causes you to sin, Jesus says, deal with it. 
Don't let it hang around. Cut it off and remove it. Even if it's something that we see as precious in this life. Uh, Jesus says, uh, those things that cause you to sin, even though they might be precious, get rid of them. Because it's better to enter life everlasting without those precious things that you might have enjoyed here than go to hell and endure all that that, that brings. John Owen, the English Puritan, said, uh, oh, he writes this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Yes, we're saved uh, in Christ. Sin no longer reigns in our lives, but sin does remain. And so we must be working hard at killing sin in our lives. We must be working hard at cutting it out, cutting it off, removing it. Uh, and so uh, we must do that. Come up with a plan. Encourage one another to do that. Be working hard at removing uh, sin uh, in our lives. And so as we begin uh, this series thinking about heaven and hell, Hell is real, so let's go and share the good news. And because hell is real, and that's what we've been saved for in Christ, let's be working in our new lives in Christ to get rid and kill all the sin that remains so that we might honor him and enter life everlasting where we will enjoy the glories of heaven, where we will praise Jesus forever for all that he has done. Amen. Amen.